engine racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael Newmagic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 386, Mr. Samich. I think it's going to be a spicy one. Huzzah! <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I just wanted to get Aaron off of here. Listen, we have people who show up because we, on this show, Mike, we have a set time where we go live. We have people yeah. who show up, like Davey, who show up on time. Shoddy shows up if she's awake. It's great. So we don't like it when Aaron wastes our time, Mike. That's all it is. The set time is 5.05, right? Yes, exactly. I assume we always start five minutes late at this point. <laughs> yeah, we like I, the Gulfstream post again because Gulfstream's Gulfstreaming again. They went nuts on the drag on that pick six today. I mean, they, they set time for posts was 35 minutes after the hour. At 35 after the hour, they had five minutes on the two post clock. They didn't even, like, pretend they were going to drag it out with zero. They just added time to the post position to try and get that pool over a million. Uh, yeah, well, that's the new age golf stream, right? Old age yeah. golf stream, they just blatantly, you know, we, we don't tell. We'll spit in your face and take your money anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, well, and I guess I'm speaking of golf stream. Actually, no, let's talk about Gulfstream real quick because the bombs, uh, you had a great day at least to start things off. You hit the pick four and the pick five. Is that right? Yeah, it was fun. We, we, the, the start was great. It was top picks that were winning, so it was nice about that. Uh, nice. If you tried to press a ticket, you were very, very close. I had a couple horses that I really liked. One of them that I mentioned this morning on the, the Dudes of Bet Daily show that I gave out that won it two to one. So that was kind of nice and, and aired. Uh, and yeah, the payouts were great because we beat four favorites or five favorites in the sequence. Ends up paying, I think the pick five paid about 1500 The pick four paid about 500 So a little over two grand total coming back from Gulfstream. It would have been nice to get home the pick five and the pick six. I didn't have the horse in the last, so it, it was a little less upsetting because I misstructured the five and six tickets or else we would have been lied to a lot more going to that last race. Well, uh, I guess it's a good thing because if your buddy KC Chief is, you know, cost you again, I don't know that we could keep doing this show. At least we, if he's in the sequence, it's like, sorry, we were going to do the Breeders' Cup, but they put him in the sprint. So now we can't talk about the Breeders' Cup because KC Chief's in there. There have been some funky riding things today. I cannot believe that there wasn't more pace pressure in that last. The five horse that had been turf sprinting doesn't go up front. The nine horse doesn't go, doesn't push out. So, or I'm sorry, the, the three horse misses the break and doesn't go. So, like, all of a sudden, a four-horse pace duel turns into a 25-second opening quarter for KC Chief. You're like, what, what's going on here? You were the fourth fastest horse in this race. Well, that's Gulfstream. We don't have to worry about that. Things always go normal at Belmont, especially when three of the four races are going to be on the turf. Going one turn, and hey, there's a slight chance of rain Saturday morning too. So what could go wrong, Mike? Nothing, nothing. But we're gonna we have this is gonna be fun because apparently Magic is going to try and counter argue one of my points I made in the feature, <laughs> uh, where neither of us are all that confident in charge, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And then I've got a fun Chad Brown stat coming for you in the last trade. So looking forward to this this overall episode as we get this thing going. I can't wait to hear how you try and counteract the point I think that you want to counteract, and we'll see if that actually happens. I think I'm more confused than when I started. So is everybody else. Let's get into Belmont Park late pick four on Saturday. Mike, right? Is up.
don't forget, if you're playing the pick four sequence over at Belmont on Saturday, check out our partners, BetPTC. They're offering a $200 sign-up bonus for the, after you bet $750 on the site. If you use promo code DUDES, they also have uh, their contest this Saturday, King of the Hill, where you can win a free BCBC seat. That doesn't suck. That's $10,000. So make sure you go check out BetPTC.com. Use the sign-up code DUDES when you sign up. Somebody go tell Dr. Tang. Uh, I know he's. I, someone told me he's trying to win a BCBC seat, so uh, we'll see if we can get him one. Uh, Mike, I did mention the rain forecast a little bit. Real quick before we get into it, three of the four races carded for the turf. None of them stakes. Uh, I handicapped this assuming we're on, but it's going to be a little bit softer ground. Is that how you handled it too? Um, I don't trust Weatherman, so we'll start with that. I mean, I'll, I'll check back in the morning of. But it, like, there also has been no rain for a while up there. So the, the, the right now, the turf is just, yeah, I agree, Dr. Tang. That was a little bit of a low blow there. Magic is just firing bullets over here today. You should have seen the text he sent me earlier. I almost sent him back one. It would have been pretty fun, too. Um, you should yeah, have. Look, it's, we have it's, fun. Well, I mean, if it only takes 10 seconds, why don't you just do it every day? Um, so if... If the, if, as long as it doesn't rain before Saturday, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue because that turf is really firm right now. You saw them go 109 for uh, mile and 16th today uh, for the for opening six furlongs. That horse almost held on. Um, so I, I, I don't think that they'll take these races off the turf, even if we get a little rain. It would have to have a pretty good downpour for them to pull it off. Who is the, uh, who's the actual handicapper or the, uh, yeah, the handicapper, the, the forecaster we like? Is it Marshall Sterling on Twitter? Is yeah. That who it is? yeah, Marshall does a great job. But he also, like, he only on the bigger days will he try and project three or four days out. I mean, like, literally right now in Florida, it says it's supposed to rain every single day. And sometimes it rains for 30 minutes and sometimes it doesn't <laughs> rain at all. So, like, I, at this point, I'm like, I, I'm going with the, the Mean Girls weather forecast. Put your hand outside. Is it raining? There's going to be rain today. Is that how she checked the rain? I thought there was a no, slightly I don't different have, I don't have the features that she, that she does to be able to uh, check it. Slightly different way. Stretch my back there. Anyways, uh, if you haven't yet, by the way, make sure you watch the latest Saratoga Slim backside vlog. It's on our YouTube channel. He had an awesome interview with Christophe Clement, uh, who's actually, speaking of which, got two of the runners in here. The two, she's a Mia, and the three, Autumn Glory. They're part of race seven, kicking off this late pick four. Uh, Phillies and Mare sprinting seven furlongs on the outer turf. Now winners are more than allowance. Uh, interesting about those two Clement horses, Mike, Dylan Davis rode both of them last time out and he's not riding either one of them here. So who are you going to go with? I'm going with the eight on top here, making my move. Um, we've only seen this horse turf sprint once and it was in the grade three, uh, matron, uh, over the Belmont turf going six furlongs. The horse pushed the pace, uh, faced bubble rock and gallon a rush in that race. She ended up fading off of it. Um, it ran a good fourth, got a 79 buyer, her career high buyer. We haven't seen her back on the turf. I think it's a really interesting move by John Kimmel here. First off the layoff, throws an $80,000 allowance and sprint. Actually goes off as the favorite, which I thought was pretty interesting on the dirt, when clearly turf is her better surface. Now we're getting that, that second off the layoff, first time on the turf. This horse is bred to love the turf. Carpe diem, solid turf sire. Uh, Carpe diem's father, Grimes Causeway, very good turf sire. More than ready, mare on the bottom. So I think making my move is going to love the turf. And there's just not an abundance of speed in this race. And one thing that I mentioned before the show started with Aaron is that speed's been doing much better at Belmont recently as there's been less and less rain over that turf course. So I'm going to play a little bit more towards speed here. And I like the eight making the move on making my move on top. Uh, I looked back at her, but then when I saw the odds kind of come up the way that my ticket went, it, I, this is the, I had to take against uh, a shot against a, a short price here. Um, especially because uh, you and I like the other short price, or at least the, the only horse that's shorter price, the three autumn glory. Uh, as far as the eight goes, uh, I think she does have the speed advantage. Um, the dam didn't, she, I think she only raced on turf once or twice, but uh, making my move does have an older sibling who was very strong. I think three for 10 on turf. So um, there is the, that, like you said, the turf pedigree there. 
I think the two Christophe Clement horses are going to be pretty tough. Um, I'll start with She's and Me and then throw back to you for Autumn Glory. Uh, She's and Me is getting Flavia and Pratt. She had a decent return from her break last time out, going two turns at Belmont Park on the inner turf. She was uh, the short price favorite because you saw that she had those two turf nice turf races to start her career. Almost wins the Teppan Stakes when she was with a different barn. It, it, I don't know about this horse. I, I feel less confident in her than I do the three, but... Um, I do like the fact that the horse that beat her last time out when I thought she was probably going a little too long, that uh, at least off the bench, Sweet Franny Lou, that was, uh, she's a four-year-old, that was her third win at Belmont, so it was a, you know, an older horse with plenty of experience who did catch her off the um, off of the layoff, and then you also have the French Connection, Flavian Pratt, Christophe Clement, they're two for five so far, so you've got that going on as well, uh, but like I said, I like the three a little bit better than the two, and I'll let you talk about her. Yeah, look, Autumn Glory to me makes a ton of sense here. And the reason is how strong that last race has come back. So that, that last race of seven furlongs was first off the layoff. Now you're getting second off the layoff. So you would expect you're going to see some improvement here for Autumn Glory. But finest work came out of that race. Uh, that horse came back to win and looked like a rock star. Palace, Gal Palace Gossip came back to win as the third place horse. She was two next out winners in the first and third spots and just missed the finest work first time out, Autumn Glory. Finest work came back and looked. Awesome with Flavian Pratt aboard. Uh, I did not use the horse. Was pretty frustrated that Finest Work looked that good. But if that's what Autumn Glory ran behind, I, I like Autumn Glory a lot more than she's a me. And my main concern, well, first off, the horse that ran third solely today got nosed at the wire and it was a very bad beat for multiple people who are sitting and watching this show right now. I can tell you that much. Um, but she's a me is going to be further back. And I mentioned the pace I just don't think is going to materialize here. I think that's going to be a problem for she's a me. She's going to have to be much more forwardly placed. Now, I trust Pratt to read the form and to get the horse in the right spots, but I'm a little concerned you're not going to see the same kick if he does use, use a little more of the horse early. So just because of the, the last race and specifically the setup, I'm going to take the three Autumn Glory over the two She's a Mia. Makes perfect sense. Uh, last one I used, and, and I like her price, so that's why she's going to be on. I'm going to go with the rail horse, Happy Hill Lil. Uh, this is uh, older fillies that are, are fillies that are three and up here, and you've got a couple five-year-olds, including Happy Hill Lil, third off the bench for her, third start at age five. She's been running six furlongs on the inner turf. Now she's going to move to the outer turf, so a uh, wider turn, sweeping turn. She gets to save ground inside, which will be important, um, that she's not a horse that usually goes to the front, but she is a horse, Mike, that does like Belmont, and she likes a softer turf. She's three for eight on the turf. Uh, two of those wins came with a little bit of a softer going. So, again, if the, if the ground's a little softer, I think that helps her out. There's only one race where you can point back and go, that buyer, that race wins this. It's the 40K non-winners of two lifetime when she got an 80 buyer. Next highest she's ever had was a 71 for another win at Belmont. So I understand if you're like, I, I can't necessarily see the jump up. I, that's why I'm going with the third off the bench, third start at age five. I think this is when she peaks for this form cycle and, and possibly at age five. I'm getting eight to one, so I, I feel like I'm not getting, you know, I'm not taking a huge swing here uh, with a bad price. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to float up for you too. Um, and I love Happy Hill Lil. Happy Hill Lil, I actually had her both times she won at 16 to one last year. Once at Saratoga, okay. once at Belmont. She closed out a $7,000 pick five for the bombs that Belmont won. That was the, the, the closer, Happy Hill Lil, um, and had her in a pick four the, re the race before that, and she won a tournament before the race before that. So I love Happy Hill Lil. I just think that you could have two really good horses in here. I, I'm like, and so when I when I picked this race, I was eight three as must use as my two was next up, and the one was the fourth horse for me. I think the waters are just a little too deep for here. Yeah, it's a, a little tougher for like the wins. You know, she does have two wins versus Open Company, but they were either claim or a starter allowance. So what was she being? There probably were a bunch of New York breads in there as well. One last thing I thought was uh, interesting. 
Rosario was aboard two races back when she had the win. He's got the same agent as Johnny Velasquez, who's picking up the mount. Velasquez last rode for Siaka, who was a New York-based trainer, 47 months ago. So he's jumping in the saddle for this barn when two races back, basically his teammate was like, hey, I got this horse to a win. Might be pretty good. So again, getting eight to one might be too deep, but at least there are some positive signs here. Uh, before we move on to the next leg, I saw Chris Maiello in the chest. I'm going to stop by for a second. If you have a winner this weekend, spare the bit of winnings for Ruben Fuentes if you can. That was really nice, Chris. Appreciate that. There is a GoFundMe going uh, for Ruben Fuentes for his recovery. So if you feel so inclined, if you've got some winnings, uh, you can toss them that way. The second leg of the late pick four at Belmont on Saturday, July 2nd. This is why Aaron's still in the background, by the way. He normally leaves at this point. He's still in the background because he thinks that Mike and I are going to throw barbs about the grade three Dwyer stakes. Six three-year-old males going a one-turn mile on the dirt here. Charge it, the four to five heavy favorite, deserving favorite, grade one placed. Uh, comes back for Fletcher. He had minor throat surgery. After the Kentucky Derby, I don't know that he was winning the Derby regardless of the soft palate issue that he had, but he's coming back from throat surgery. He's got Velasquez on the rail. You're not that confident in him like I thought you might be, though. Yeah, well, funny enough, uh, my wife tells me I have a soft palate now, too. Spicy foods hit me a lot harder as I've gotten older. So Dude, it's, that uh, suck? I didn't know. Is there a surgery that I can get for that so I can eat the, the, the hot chicken wings and the jalapenos again? Uh, look, I, this is one of those classic spots where I'm worried about what level crank charge it is in this year, right? Like this, the grade three Dwyer is a comeback race. It's clearly not the target race, right? We're looking for bigger and better things down the road. I'm not sure we're going to see a hundred percent charge it. Now it may not matter. Charge it's good enough compared to this group that he may able to just run away from them. But the other thing that caught my attention, there's a whole lot of speed signed up here, like a whole lot of speed. So the one is going to go fluid situation is going to go. Nabokov's going to go. We're going to talk a lot about Nabokov here. I bet in this, this, this segment, because I know where magic's going. I know where I'm going. So I decided to try and get wildly creative with a horse because there's not many horses that can pass horses. Really, there's only two in this race that pass anybody, right? And that's the two and the five. So those are the other two I looked at. I used Charge It because I do think he is that good. I'm going to go too deep in the first, like, too deep here so I can spread like crazy later and try and get a price. I do think Charge is, is the horse you probably want to use on top. Uh, there's a lot of signs to like him, right? That Gulfstream Park, I mean, shit, that... Uh, his debut, he almost won. Um, Face Volcanic, who ended up going on the Derby Trail uh, for Mark Cassie, I believe. And then Charge It comes back and has that imp very impressive win. Both times going a one-turn dirt mile, which is what they're doing here uh, over at Gulfstream. Had that, you know, the Florida Derby, it was a good effort. You know, first time facing winners, and he finished ahead of some very good horses, including Simplification. White Abario is a, a very good horse. He's not a superstar, but... You don't need to be a superstar or be second to a superstar to win the Dwyer. So I get it. There's a lot of things to like about him. But I'm taking a shot because I don't think he's fully cranked. I think this is the spot to try and beat Charge It. Um, if you look back at that main special weight win, I went back and looked. The field that he won when he beat, uh, broke his maiden, nine horses, seven of them are still maidens. And the other two had to go on to turf to break their maidens. So not a super strong field. Well, they are maidens at Gulfstream in February. So sometimes you're going to have some great ones. Sometimes you're going to have maybe an Emmanuel. Uh, he goes to Florida Derby. He looks good. But he looked a little wacky. And in the Kentucky Derby, there was no way for us to tell if that wackiness from him being a tappet, if that's, you know, if he's overcome that. Todd Fletcher is going to be great with this horse. I think at four charge, it's got a really big future. I'm just going to take a shot. And, yes, I'm going to use Nabokov. But I love the fact that this horse – you know, debuts at Keeneland going six and a half. And if you watch that replay, he should have won by open links. Uh, the horse got to the lead at the top of the stretch and then he literally didn't know what to do. And he put on the brakes and Irad's like, come on, come on. And then he got passed on the inside by the pace setter run pat. 
As soon as Rempat went inside of him, it looked like Nabokov was going to be dead in the water. He re-rallies and almost catches him there. They stretch him out to a mile and a 16th, which is still one turn at Belmont. Uh, gets a little bit of a good ground in there, uh, which he might be a little bit of a slightly off track on Saturday, might not. But he sets a measured pace. He was, you know, he had a horse to his outside for most of the turn, all the way through the turn. And then when he was asked, I read never like really went hard at him, never used the whip. It was just, they'd ask him a little bit and he'd pull away a little bit. And then he'd ask him a little bit more and he'd pull away a little bit more. If he can get to the front, with Flavian Pratt, or even just sit right on the front end with whoever wants to go, if it's going to be the three, if it's going to be the five. I think that he's going to be able to sit there, and as soon as Pratt says go, he keeps moving, he keeps moving. He responds well, whereas Charge It has the raw talent, but he doesn't have it mentally as yet. So I, that's why I'm going with, uh, with Nabokov. Well, that's, that's funny. He doesn't have it mentally when you just specifically mentioned a mental error by Nabokov in his first start. I did, but... but second start, he did better. <laughs> You're right. You're but... Right. Uh... Did you look at that? So, okay, what if his buyer came back an 82 instead of 91 in that race? How would you feel about Nabokov? If it, sorry, if it came back as an 80, it chopped a little bit. Low uh, 80s buyer instead of a high, low 90s buyer. I mean, I don't know if I would single him here, but I would still would use him, yeah. So that was a wildly inflated buyer in my mind. We talk about some of these races that come back that are ridiculously high. First off, the rail was very good that day, right? And he got the rail and went wire to wire. And if you look back at the chart, there not, was a not one single horse passed another single horse outside of digitized passing Braille from fourth to third in the entire race. They started at the quarter, one, two, three, four, five. They ended the race, one, two, three, four, five. At the stretch with the quarter left, one, two, three, four, five. So literally no passing zone for the entire thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you dig into the five horses, so the second place finisher was a first-time starter, not going to knock the number that he got. The third place finisher, second-time starter, slight improvement of his last buyer, or significant improvement of his last buyer, was second name Chad Brown, not going to knock it. Third time starter, 30-point jump on dirt, and the next start they went to the turf. Fifth place finisher, highest career buyer, lost by 10 lengths. It's one of those races when you start diving through the numbers, it looks like that race is inflated. And it's, it's again, it's over a good track, which we talk about. A lot of times those inflated races come over good or money tracks because you don't have as many comparable numbers. And so when you compare it to other numbers and it comes back really well, all of a sudden they get really high buyers and then people bet these horses back. I don't think that race was as impressive when you actually look at the, the overall like plan of the race in the paper. That's why I'm not going to use Nabokov. I think that that race is coming back inflated, and because of it, the price is going to be way too short compared to what it should be. Yeah, the uh, I knew I was going to get great odds even with Charge It being in here. Two to one, I was like, maybe that'll it'll hold it two to one. <laughs> Just seeing Charge It at four to five. Uh, the uh, the some more notes on Nabokov. He has a full to Mopatism, who's a grade two winner dirt route and multiple grade one place for Doug O'Neill out in California. But yeah, this is, I think it comes down to the two of these really. I couldn't see anyone outside of these two winning it. I know there's a really big long shot you talked about in the preview, which will be at youtube.com slash racing dudes. But uh, tell us about the other horse you're using here. I'm going to go with no sobe nada. Why not use the longest price on the board here at 20 to one, right? What could go wrong? Uh, look, this is going to be the second time out as a three-year-old. Wasn't wildly impressive as a two-year-old, but if you go back and you look at those races and how No Sobe Nada was able to win, in two of those three races, including his debut, he came from six lengths back and three lengths back, going five and five and a half furlongs. The horse has tactical speed and has some type of closing or passing ability. Go to Delaware last time out, go six furlongs, gets an 80 buyer, which is by far the career best. Now we got second off the layoff. I am trying to play a pace meltdown here. That's why I'm ending up with No Sobe Nada. And I was between No Sobe Nada, the two, and the five running, uh, running son of a gun as my pace mate meltdown play. Because everyone else wants to go. And if Nabokov and Charge It just start firing out, 
and charge is not fully cranked and fluid situation gets involved. And then all of a sudden unbridled bombers out there because he wants to be on the lead too. You've got those two horses that are sitting behind him. I'm going to take a big time swing with a 20 to one shot. who's going to be sitting off the pace and see if we can get just a monster number home in this race and blow this thing up and then be five by five to close it. If we can get that big number home. Uh, outside of this, I know Nick in the chat said that he liked uh, the six Nabokov, made me feel slightly better. He also brings up the three fluid situation stretching out, and uh, I get where he's going. The best figure for the three fluid situation, at least buyer wise, was when he went the longest seven furlongs at Tampa to break his maiden. But Mike, I look at that, and if, if he goes to the lead and tries to go gate to wire like that's how he won that day, I don't think he can do that. And Tampa, you want to talk about inflated uh, numbers. To me, that 95 is 20 points better than he got for a stakes at Belmont. And usually stakes numbers can be a little inflated. So that's why I didn't like the three here. What about you? I mean, he went 23, 46, 110. Yeah, you should run away from him if you're going that slow up front, right? Like, like Tampa's generally, you know, you don't have a bunch of world beaters down there. Um, and if you have that any type of real talent and you're able to go that slow by yourself on the front end, I would expect that you're going to continue to open up. So uh, I like... The, the stretching out thing is interesting because the two, so, no, so we're not stretching out. The five, Brian, running son of a gun, stretching out. Fluid situation, stretching out. So you have a, quite a few of these sprinters that have shown speed that are stretching out. It's why this pace is just going to be so wild. And it's really figuring out, okay, how is this going to actually play out? And when you look at race shape here, like this isn't the spot where I want to be a sprinter stretching out. Because Nabokov's going, right? We know that. And, and so if he's going and you have the three most likely go, charge it probably can rate if he really wants to. But I don't know if... Velasquez wants to rate from the rail. I mean, that the other part of this is that draw where it's like, do you really want to get behind a wall of horses when you think you're the best horse? Or you just want to take it to him. And a lot of that could depend on how cranked he is. If he is 100% ready, they'll just take it to him because he's the best horse in this race. And that's what they should do. Um, you don't get cute when you're on the best horse. Uh, John Velasquez, I don't think has ever been accused of doing that, at least not too often. He's usually pretty, pretty intelligent when it comes to, and Flavian Pride as well. Uh, by the way, I saw someone asking in the chat, Luis Saez is at Churchill Downs this weekend, which now that they don't have turf racing, I'm wondering if he's starting to second guess that decision, but I know he's there to ride American Revolution in the Foster, so... Uh, if you want full insight on that, by the way, Blinkers Off will be covering, uh, doing all sorts of rapid-fire picks, including the Foster, which is Breer's Cup winner for the Classics. So they'll be live in about an hour and a half, and you can catch their thoughts on that. Uh, Mike, before we uh, move – oh, wait, no. We did talk about everything in the source. Okay, we will move on. The next leg of the late pick four at Belmont Park on Saturday, July 2nd. Race 9, it's the penultimate leg. Race 9, 10 Phillies and Mares. Three enough, sprinting six furlongs. It's Shotty's fault. Sprinting six furlongs on the yeah. inner turf. Non-winners of one allowance level. And the rail horse, Shannon, real interesting. You've got her making her debut for trainer Brad Cox after being privately purchased after she had that really nice Keeneland uh, turf sprint win. Main special way to open N1X allowance. Not always the easiest climb to make. Where'd you go on top? No, it's not. I was actually there that day. That was the day before the uh, – before the, the – Big tournament at, at Keeneland. So we were there was a smaller tournament that day. My dad and I were in the seats. I did not have this horse. A little frustrated. Um, that race didn't seem that good in the moment. But if you go back and you now look at that Keeneland race, it has actually produced uh, two next out winners already. The the additional buyer figures from those last starters are all comparable with what they ran or better, like significantly better in one case. And not least case, you ran second to last in that race and ended up coming back to win. So I came back a pretty good race, um, collapsed a little bit because of the pace, but it still came back a pretty good race. So it's a tough spot for me because I always talk about how I don't like using these type of horses. I kind of feel like you have to use Shannon in this spot because of the barn change, because of how everything, everything working out. Not my top pick. I'm going to go to the 10 horse. Oh, gotten girl on top. First time out as a four-year-old for Pletcher. Uh, this horse has numbers that, that fit from a back perspective. 
this is your speed of the speed in my mind. I think the 10 is going to be able to get out in the lead. And in this horse absolutely loves Belmont and is bred for this distance. A 430 Tomlinson rating, uh, one for five at the distance with two seconds in the third. But at Belmont, one for three with two seconds. So never been out of the exacta here at Belmont. Loves it. Should get to the front. Should get to the lead. Uh, so I've got O'Gotten Girl on top. The other horse that I, I thought was a must-use here was a seven. She's the one. I mean, this horse looks just like it fits this race very, very well. Uh, we're cutting back to six furlongs, which is probably the best distance for this horse. The last two were to mile. She won one of them, but I think the six furlong distance is better here. Uh, so she should get a pretty good setup, has some tactical speed and a very good late kick. Jose Ortiz takes the ride. I think she's the one that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, she's my top pick. She's a head away from being perfect in three starts at six furlongs on turf. Uh, Clement and Jose Ortiz, they're 32% together over the last year and a half. That's pretty good. Uh, She's a three-time winner of against New York bred, so that's how she qualifies for open non-one winners of one other than. Um, the only question is, can she handle open company? She's never faced an open company, but Mike, there's no reason to think she couldn't handle it because there aren't like any. There's anybody in this field that's in you know a non-New York bred that really scares me. Um, I didn't actually, other than the one Shannon, but I didn't use Shannon. Uh, I've got a stat for you. Do you know what the record is for the rail horses and turf sprints going six furlongs? <laughs> It's 0 for 24, I'll tell you. Oh, it's like a 1 for 20. <laughs> oh, you're Okay, that's good. You knew it was going to be low because the way I was leading it, of course. But yeah, 0 for 24. Uh, and this Philly looked great, and I kept trying to figure out a way. I was like, but what about this? And I was like, the way that my ticket went, uh, I thought she'd be a little lower than 7 to 2, honestly, with the connections there. But um, yeah, I couldn't play her in this spot just because I was like, oh, for 24 going six furlongs. And there are a lot of horses in here who I like. We talked about the seven. Uh, next up for me, let's go all the way to almost all the way to the outside. It's all the way at the bottom of the screen if you're looking. Cruz Bay for Kendrick Carmouche and Joe Sharp. Joe Sharp is only one for 12 coming into today at the meet, but he's eight for 12 in the money. He's got four seconds and three thirds. Uh, one of the things I like about this horse, her best two turf efforts came on yielding turf when she broke her maiden and good going when she won an open Keeneland allowance turf sprint. Um, sorry, didn't win it, lost it by a head. Uh, last time out, really rough trip, scratch it out, completely ignore that one. This will be third off the bench, third time at three. I like Kendrick Carmouche. I think this horse is going to be pretty sneaky. The big, the big issue, and probably you'll bring this up because you would definitely have these stats, the outside posts, also not good turf sprinting at Pelmont. Haven't been great. I, I, and this is about week old information. There have been a couple outside winners since then, but I believe that the 10, 11, and 12 posts have produced one winner through the first four weeks of Belmont's meet, which is not great for these. Uh, now, that's the post position, not the number. So you may right. end up a little bit more inside. We've got, I believe we have a main or a, a main track only horse that's inside as well. Yeah, yeah there's the eight hot fudge and the nine to a T. So you're going to move in two gates. So that's why, like, my 10 is actually in the eight post. Your nine's going to be, and your 11 is going to be in the nine. So there's going to be some improvement there if they do a stay on. Uh, for me, this was just, I can't point to a race that gets the job done here and there's enough talent in here and there's enough talent that could improve in here that it makes me a little more skeptical of the 11 Cruz Bay. One of those horses, the five silky blue, who I'm going to use here. I mean, we know I, I have a big fan of the Colts neck thing. I, I like uh, Jorge Duarte jr. He doesn't get enough credit for what he does for them. This horse has some very good races at four turf sprinting. And we kind of got away from it um, after we trying that N2X level. Eventually gets the N2X win over the Belmont turf, going seven furlongs. Uh, he's three for eight over this turf, so very much likes it. Was in two state-bred uh, state stakes that where he faced Classic Lady and Giacosa, very good New York horses there. Has one race where he faced open company, but just kind of didn't have it. I think you're going to see Silky Blue just get a really nice tactical trip. There's not an abundance of speed, but Silky Blue has that tactical speed to sit in that first flight right behind the leaders. 
Um, I, I'm hoping that we can get a good ride here from Gomez. We get the weight break. He's been very good so far as an apprentice. So hopefully Jose Gomez can, can guide him through there and, and find a hole because he's probably going to be tucked inside inside that the, the first flight of speed. So I like the five. And I like the price of 10 to 1 too. The, uh, we didn't mention it. I also like that they use the five. She and the seven, she's the one, are both exiting the Mount Vernon to so go on longer. And it was, six horses, kind of a carousel result there. Definitely didn't have the kind of pace that the five uh, would tend to want to chase um, to, to have some improvement there. When you're sitting fourth in a field of six in a turf sprint, it's really hard to gain on that. Um, another horse that I used, the number two, Nota Bene. I made a note to only play her if she was going to be a price. Uh, she has been bet down in the past in turf sprinting, but she's 0 for 7 on the turf. But I really feel like the light bulb clicked on back in March when she won at Turfway Park. Got a huge buyer number, uh, 76, much better than she'd done in the last year. And then goes right back to the turf and almost wins at Keeneland in an open allowance. And then goes to Churchill Downs and has a good runner-up effort there. Uh, about time, ended up winning uh, stakes at Monmouth Park last weekend with a 94 buyer. So that's going well for her. Also, there were two finishers behind her in that race who also won next out. I think she can take a big step forward. Two problems. She's 0 for 7 on the turf. I really wish I had like a Rosario or an Irad riding. Louis Cardenas, no offense. I feel like in this spot, I need, against these horses, I need a better jockey. But I'm hoping that the horse and how that she's been running kind of lately kind of overcomes that. I actually looked at this horse. I kind of assumed when you use the 11 Cruz Bay, you're going to use the two Nota Bene. Um, they've running a couple. To. Yeah, it, it, like, especially after that last race, you kind of got to say, okay, I'm going to go this direction. I do think six furlongs is the better distance here. So I, I think it's interesting that you're getting six instead of five or five and a half, like the last two. And I looked at this horse. Um, I, you know, one of my buddies says Chris Linderos off is a great angle to play. So here you're getting Chris <laughs> Linderos off. Um, and I don't mind. I don't mind Luis Cadonas. He was much better percentage wise when he was a bug. But he is an aggressive jockey, and that's a, a beneficial thing here from turf sprinting perspective. So I, I don't mind the, him from a jockey perspective, but yeah, you'd, you'd much rather draw one of the bigger names. Um, I ended up not using him. I went to the outside of that. Look, the other Clement is becoming a thing. Everyone talks about the other Brown. When you have a horse like she's the one, and you got a Jose Ortiz up, and all of a sudden you're, you're entering the three Anador in here, and you're Clement, I, I almost feel like you kind of have to use the three if you're using the seven. This horse is improving. It was a touted horse when it came over from Europe. Uh, wins it first out. They step it up right into $100,000 tap and stakes. She ends up running fifth in that race, but not, not a bad fifth, just kind of a flat fifth. Takes off the winner, comes back as a three-year-old, runs a career best buyer, second off the layoff. You see the improvement. She was a $1.80 favorite in that race. Rosario saw it fit to ride. This is where we end up third off. I think you're going to continue to see her improve here. I like the shortening up to six furlongs. If you looked at that specific effort that last time you watched the replay, she's fanned wide and then just kind of flattens out. I think you're going to get a better run here from Anador. Um, and I, I like the six to one price. I think you're going to get every bit of it too because of those last efforts. And she does need to improve to be able to win. Well, and she was four to five uh, in her 2022 debut when she lost and then nine to five favorite last time when she lost. So yeah, you're, I think people are a little scared of her now after she burned some of their money. I actually, I was afraid of the six furlong cutback because she's never run this short before. And I thought, why are, this almost feels desperate now when we've won it a mile, one turn mile, and then we're st uh, almost our stakes placed uh, going two turns on the turf. Suddenly cutting back to six, I was a little, I'm like, I'm going to wait and see what happens if it's, if she beats me, she beats me. But like you said, Mike, you're going to get a good price on her at 6-1. to one. Uh, Anybody that we didn't mention that uh, you're a little nervous about, the four kind of scared me a little bit, but I, I put a note to watch what she does and maybe play her next time. I think she needs one off the bench. Yeah, I was I strongly considered the four, but, I mean, I kind of I, – I at this point, I used to love Mike Luzzi, 
like 15 years ago. At this point, <laughs> you gotta he's got to beat me. And, and, and I agree with you. I think this is a horse that you might want to stable up and second out if you go back to Saez or Ortiz. This is someone that you want to play, but I, I can't play Tuscan Queen with Luzzy up first off the layoff. Final leg of the late pick for a Belmont Park on Saturday. By the way, look at all those MTOs. If this gets taken off, uh, lots of lots of other horses to consider, not just a couple of them. Uh, it's interesting. Fun. Both a couple of these turf races have those have large MTOs, so it's it's been good. That one and this one, the final leg of the late pick for race ten. We've got eleven males, three and up, going one turn mile on the outer turf course, open on one X level. Big question, Mike. What do you do with Poet of Life, the twelve horse? This is Chad Brown. First time North America, first time with Chad Brown, owned and bred by his best owner, Peter, one of his best owners, Peter Brandt. First time Lasix, first time Gelding, Flavian Pratt, and he draws all the way outside. And uh, what is it? I got the stat here for you. Horses going this distance, breaking from post eight on out, combined two for 25, and neither win came from the post he's going to break from. I, what do you do with this horse? Yeah, not wonderful. Uh, well, can I, I'll throw a stat back at you. Chad Brown for the meet. Right, thirty-one percent right now. He's actually about to break the all-time record for wins at Belmont by a trainer uh, in, in the <laughs> it's meet. Crazy, so he's having a very, very good meet. Seven furlongs or less on the turf. What's Chad Brown's percentage? Win percentage? I feel like it's going to be low. Well, obviously, or else I wouldn't be asking. Thirteen <laughs> uh, percent. Thirty. I was going to say. I was going to say sixteen. That's even worse. He's thirteen percent. He's thirty-one percent overall, and he is thirteen wow. percent going six or seven furlongs on the turf. And that's when the turf is playing toward closers, which would you assume would be a good thing for Chad Brown horses. So turf sprinting, 13%. What if they go exactly a mile? What do you think his percentage is? 21%. 35. Jesus. <laughs> that one furlong makes 25, almost 20, 23% of a difference. One furlong. So a mile, he's been dominant. Sprinting, six or seven, he's really struggled. And so it's interesting that you now have this as a mile race where you can kind of rely on him a little bit more. It's one of the main reasons why, I, like, if you're winning 35%, it's really hard for me to throw you out when a horse clearly has talent. I don't love the post. The price isn't wonderful. But because of the way I'm structuring this ticket, to me, I, I can afford to use a horse like this when I'm trying to get a 21-shot home in a six-horse field where there's going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. So um, if I get through that, too, and I don't have the 12 here, I'm going to be very upset. So I'm just going to leave... I'm going to use the 12 here because I do think you have a ton of talent. I'm not, and I've said this to you, I haven't loved a lot of Pratt's rides on the turf. He's gotten a little bit better, but he has been nailed at the wire multiple times because he's sent too early around the turn on the turf. And I, I'd like it. The, the bigger turns at Belmont, you see other jockeys have this learning curve when they're going through it. I like that is a little bit of a concern to me with him right now, but I think it'll be a lot better when you get to Saratoga because it's more of the natural two turn setup. And I think, I think the pace will be much different. That's neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, I'm putting the three on top here. Um, I, I like the three horse. Uh, I know I'm just all over the place. I like the three. No, horse no I the love nipper. the horse's name. I, I picked him too, but I just love his name. I, I, I think the three horse Jerry the Nipper, first time on turf, makes a ton of sense. This is your speed of the speed. You're going six furlongs. Lascano's 100 percent going to send, and this horse is bred pretty well for the turf. I'm kind of surprised we haven't been here before. Uh, you got Liam's map on the top out of a Polyvision mare, so. That shouldn't be an issue. You've got enough stamina coming out of these mile, mile and 16th races that I don't think six furlongs should be an issue. Bullet work on the Saratoga turf last time out. Solid work on the turf before that. Uh, so I like the five to one price here on the three. Yeah, it, it's one of those cases, Mike, when I looked at this is if he handles the turf, he should win this. I actually think he's the best horse in the field if he handles the turf. Just a big question of can he do it? But he's three for five going a one-turn mile on dirt. He won in the mud, which we've talked about before. Sometimes that signals if a horse can handle the turf or vice versa. Uh, you talked about Liam's map. That's, you know, the, the 
turf level there. He's 11% overall on turf and 10% if it's a little bit wet. He is the sire of Colonel Liam, if you remember the two-time Pegasus World Cup turf winner. So uh, pretty good there. Uh, Liscano is back aboard again. He's been aboard for seven of his horses, eight starts. So you've got a familiar jockey who's very talented. Yeah, it, I feel like those two works on the Saratoga turf made Pletcher go. Like, the first one made Pletcher go, I think we've got something. And yep. then they pressed it a little bit more. The second time he goes, we've got something, and we're putting him in this race. And by the way, there's two Chad Browns. There are no other Todd Pletchers in this race, and you know he's got the horses to do it. Oh, like, he lost a pipeline two back. He was two to three to one against pipeline. Like, there, there's some very good horses he's been facing on dirt, too. So I, I don't think he's even been facing slouches here. So this, this should be... Uh, you know, about a lateral move onto the turf. And if he is able to take to it, he's going to be really dangerous up front. Uh, my second pick here was the seven horse uh, Devil's Outlaw. This is the other Chad Brown. Um, I really like that race two back. This is the first time we're going to see firm turf. Third off the layoff. This is a, a war front out of a Magladoro mare. So this horse absolutely should be bred for the extra extra, extra furlong. Should actually improve with that extra furlong versus the two seven furlong efforts. Um, you add blinkers. This horse is probably going to be a little more forwardly placed, but able to sit pretty close. I, I think this, the seven's really, really dangerous here, four to one. How often do you see a horse that has been with uh, Chad Brown and Joseph O'Brien, who is, uh, uh, oh my God, I just, for Aiden O'Brien, I forgot his name, Aiden O'Brien's uh, son. So very talented trainer. They can't, This horse is camera shy. Why is this horse not win? I mean, look at that. Second by a nose, second by a half length, second by three quarters, second by a half length. Uh, man, Joseph O'Brien couldn't get the job done. Chad O'Brien did. The blinkers adding, you know, maybe that turns this horse around. I'm taking a shot against. I'm against both the Chad Brown horses in here. Despite you having, I handicap without knowing your stats. So that's, you know, <laughs> I, I wish I'd known your stat before. No, I'm against the Devil's Outlaw a little bit here too. Um, I feel like this horse has got. Um, has bet like he's got the talent that he doesn't hasn't shown yet. Uh, that Belmont maiden win, I went back and watched it. It was good. He was a little slow out of the gate to get going. Um, that race last time out on the yielding turf, there was a gate to wire winner in Big Everest. But I thought that I thought that he had a little bit better of a chance to make an impact that day, and he didn't. So we'll see if the blinkers change it. I'm going to take a shot against because I think the two Chad Brown horses are going to get bet way way down here. Uh, I ended up going deep. Jerry the Nipper was my second choice. My top one, I'm going to go with the six, Celestial City. Uh, for Suge McGahee, I'm surprised I'm getting eight to one here, Mike. This is a horse that's been routing, uh, was a head away from winning the Jersey Derby last time out at Monmouth Park, going a mile, going two turns. He's going to cut back to one turn here. You got the wide sweeping turn. You got that long stretch. I really don't think this horse is going to have any issue cutting back in that regard. Javier Castellano has been aboard for three or four starts, uh, including the Jersey Derby and then the maiden win. Uh, Tatha Gavel won next out out of that maiden win, so he's got go that going for him. I, I was surprised 8-1 to one was the price here. Mike, why is that? Oh, it's a three-year-old facing four-year-olds, um, first off. So you're, you're a little younger there, so I think that's definitely part of it. And the second one is the cutback for a speed horse isn't usually a big issue. This horse has very little pace. You're going to, you're going to be way back there. Right. And so this is, this is going to be a from the clouds move. You're going to need to uh, have your Castellano to make, which isn't necessarily what I want Javier Castellano to be doing on horses from, in my perspective, I'd much rather have a middle pack or forwardly placed. Um, it's also a bigger field. He's going to have to weave through some traffic. So you're going to have to trip out. You're going to have to get the pace up front. You're going to have to hope that they, they kind of come back to you a little bit. If, Add that to the fact that we're a three-year-old facing elders. To me, there was just enough reasons to leave this horse off. Um, yeah, I mean, Celestial City could improve. Does make some sense. But I'd rather take some other horses here at bigger prices that have races that fit already instead of having to worry about improving and facing elders. Uh, one of those is going to be the four-horse, Shouty, Shouty, Shouty. Um, 
which, you know, shoddy. Like, there you go. You got to play this horse. Shouty, shouty, shouty. Uh, it, I think it's actually shady, shady, shady. But anyway. No, you uh, said it right. It's shoddy, shoddy. It? That's why the W's are there, yeah. I'm going to go back to the Luis Contreras train, baby. Uh, oh, thank you for that W comment. That was, that was a nice little salty one, just poking it in there. Um, this horse had an awful trip last time. I don't think you can even explain how bad it was going a mile. Um, if you look at it, it was a length back in seventh, and all of a sudden it's five length backs in eighth, then makes a move. The horse, like, raced up, was two or three wide around uh, early in the race, was five wide around the turn, still comes running as a really good effort, second off the layoff, first time on turf as a four-year-old. Just a repeat of that race makes Shouty 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 really dangerous in this spot at 15-1. to one. And Jorge Abreu started this meet ice cold, he is heating up. His horses are running significantly better when they were early in the meet. And so if this horse was running well early in the meet, and now his barn is even better, and we're getting a nice 15 to 1 price, I'm going to see if Louis C can get one home for us. You better hope so. The horse is on an 0 for 11 slide here. <laughs> the horse hasn't won since his debut. Well, you can't have everything, Magic. Come on. <laughs> the horse also, you could argue, has faced the toughest of almost anyone in this race. Ocala Dream, Mirror Admission, Wolf of Donago, St. Hood, Hard Love. I mean, like, there's been some bangers in the back class. And it's also like, I think this horse doesn't want to be going a mile and 16th or a mile and eighth. And a lot of those races are at longer distances against tough company. Now we're shortening up. I, I just think this fits really well for shouty, shouty, shouty. When he showed up in the, the PPs, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot the horse was still running. And then I thought he was a lot older than four. And now I feel old. Looked in like, <laughs> I wanted to be like, I remember when shoddy, shoddy, shoddy broke his mane. That was only two years ago. Dumbass. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> um, I, I didn't use a big reason. Just hasn't won in 11 starts. And there isn't anything on this that makes me overly excited. But you're going to get a good price at 15 to 1. A lot of the horses that I liked, Mike, I thought I was getting great prices on. So, uh because I'm against the two Chad Brown horses. I guess that's probably why. Um, a horse that is one for 11, but did actually get the win three back. I'm going to use the number nine, Bay Street Money, five to one. The owners claimed this horse for 75K the only time he was ever risked. They haven't run him back um, for a tag ever since then. Or they haven't even tried him against starter allowance. Since he broke his maiden, it's been straight to the allowance ranks. So Rob Atris feeling pretty confident in the horse's abilities. This is another one I mentioned at last race, Mike. I think it just kind of woke up at age five. Uh, you see that suddenly back in April on the aqueduct turf, Kendrick Carmouche gets aboard. The horse shows a lot of speed on the turf, is forwardly placed, and gets the job done. Steps up to allowance to this level, tries to go speed, ends up getting caught late. But that was first time versus winners. Second time versus winners at that exact same level. You see that improvement cutting back to a furlong. Now we're back to that mile where he did win, uh, did break his maiden, although at two turns at aqueduct. We're going to be drawn outside instead of being on the rail like the last start. So I think this is a good chance for some more improvement here from Bay Street Money. I love Carmouche is going to be back in the saddle as well. I'm scared of this horse. I didn't use Bay Street Money. If, if I'm, I'm going five deep here, I'm going to use a bigger price again as, as my fifth horse. But Bay Street Money is one that, that scares me a little bit here. Did lose the shoddy, shoddy, shoddy too bad. Just saying. Uh, so, but, but yeah, I, I mean, this one could definitely win. I, like it's just, it's just that simple. Has the tactical speed. I'm worried that that Bay Street money with Carmouche is going to be more forwardly placed in this spot. The Jerry the Nipper is going to go. I think he's the faster horse, which I think kind of puts Bay Street money behind the eight ball a little bit. And that's why I end up not including the nine here, because I do think that that if the nine tries to go, he loses because Jerry the Nipper's faster. He's going to end up in a pace tool. Probably kills them both. But um, just because of the way this sets up, I decided I wanted to go for horses that are coming from a little bit further off the pace that were a little bit bigger of a price and just happen to be right to the inside of them. Uh, I'm going to go with Thin White Duke at 12 to 1. Velasquez gets aboard again for David Donk. David Donk, 11 for 42 at this meet. Uh, the Donk barn, hot right now. Big um, Donk energy. 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and this horse has run pretty well. Specifically, the last three efforts have all been good, just not been able to get a job done. Um, he was in that race two back, but he had a tough break. He ended up going wide. Like He had excuses that race two back. Open company hasn't done him any favors. That's the big concern here with him. But at 12 to 1, Velasquez riding back, I'm willing to give uh, the thin white Duke another chance. The uh, You nailed it, Mike. The, the, the ultimate line where I cut off was just the, those last two efforts against open company. He looked like he was in over his head a little bit. So uh, I think he's a decent horse. I think he could hit the board if you wanted to play that angle. It just As far as the win go, I couldn't get there uh, since we're against open company. Last one for me, I'm going to go with the 11. Kafra for Jimmy Jerkins, uh, son of American Pharaoh. They paid $500,000 for him thinking, boy, Centennial, we got our next big star. Hasn't quite happened yet, but there's still time, Mike. He had two good starts at Gulfstream during the championship meet. Broke his maiden in his turf debut. He almost won an off-turf synthetic route before that. I don't know that I buy the buyer number that he got for that. That's a little high of an 87 there. Um, I think the 78 that he got for the golden, uh, the Gulfstream maiden win, that's a little bit more accurate for him, but... I think that I love the fact that once he got on turf, he showed ability. They put him into that Belmont allowance level when Jerkins got his hands back on him. The same when the shoddy shoddy was in and a few other horses had a terrible time. They put, try to put him back on the turf again. They stay in when it goes sloppy. The horse gets some experience against winners. So now we're going back to the turf. Hopefully we stay there. I'm getting a five pound break with Jose Gomez riding. This horse seems like he's got talent. I just need to see him do it on the track more than, you know, that time going two turns at Gulfstream. This feels like a spot where he could do it, but there are, are some heavy hitters in here. Yeah, for me, the problem is his best races aren't on turf. <laughs> like that, it's, his best two races, when you kind of point back to him, are, are, are at the race that he that was taken off at Gulfstream uh, four back, and then the last race that was taken off at Belmont. It was on the dirt. So I just from that perspective, that's why I struggled with, with the, the 11 horse coffer. But he... He has the talent. I like Jerkins as a trainer, and, and Pharaohs obviously like the turf generally. So you, you'd think that he would have the talent there. But just without having those turf races that back up the form was my main issue. The horse I struggled with in here was actually the two click attack. Did you did you click attack? Did you think did you consider using that one at all? I did. I ended up d- discarding, but I did go back and forth as well. Yes, it was it, it, for me. It was the Herman Harkey thing, right? I don't dislike him as a jockey. This isn't the type of race he usually wins, though. The race he usually wins is the the six horse claimers that are for 10k and he's on the 40 to 30 to one shot like that's his that's his lane right this the turf sprinting against some really good horses is generally not his lane so we think about linda rice being good off the claim and good in turf sprints did you know that she's one for 22 first off the claim into a turf sprint i did <laughs> one not for know 22 that. that's, that, that's, that's crazy I, the fact that Lascano's on the three too was also one of the reasons i didn't use the two here because Lascano rides a lot of those rice horses back and the fact that he's like, no, I'm riding Jerry the Nipper. Like, tells you, A, that he thinks Jerry the Nipper can handle turf. Wouldn't be shocked if he was on him for a couple of those, for that one of those two workouts. And B, gives you a lot less faith here in, in, the, uh, in the, the two-horse click attack. Uh, Nick Feldman in the chat says he likes the other chat. They're 7-2 to and 4-1. to one. Which one's the other chat? Are we calling the other chat uh, Devil's Outlaw? I think Devil's Outlaw is the other chat, yeah. Because okay. we, we led with the, with the Pratt chat because you'd love Palavian Pratt, so... I led with that because I was like, these are all these reasons I should love it, and I'm not using it. <laughs> I was thinking about this, too. Like, it's been a, like, if you see you're just claiming horses and entering horses and the whole, like, at some point, this has to kick into effect, right? You or is think. it, like, completely under the rug now? Don't even worry about it? Nope, don't even worry about it. Oh, uh, that was a Linda Rice suspension for the podcast, people. <laughs> like, what, what, what the heck? Like, what, I would just, 
didn't we find her guilty of it? Like, I don't, I don't even understand. Well, I think she was accused and an initial case was had, but it's horse racing. So we need to have eight more trials over the next 40 years. And then once Rick Dutrow is off, then we can start focusing on some, who else we're going to take down. So uh, speaking of which, Bob Baffert, uh, what is it? Sunday, Bob Baffert can resume training on Sunday. So it's been nice knowing everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining Mike and I for the late pick four at Belmont Park on Saturday, July 2nd. Uh, if you're watching uh, on YouTube, or take a look down below if I can find it. There it is. Our tickets. We'll give them out one last time. I'll start, Mike. I'm going to go one, two, three with the six, with two, five, seven, eleven, with three, six, nine, eleven. That's twenty-four dollars for fifty cents. Please give us yours. I'm going to play a fifty-dollar ticket here. I'm going to go three, eight with one, two, with one, three, five, seven, ten, with three, four, seven, eight, twelve, and that'll cost you fifty bucks for fifty cents. The key for me here is really, can we get around that, that you know, the charge it in the second leg? I, I considered singling the eight in the first leg and going one, two, five in the second leg, but decided to structure it this way because I do like uh, the three horse that, that based on how good that race was he was in last time. Uh, the big weekend of stakes action st- actually started tomorrow because uh, it's Canada Day weekend up in Canada. So hi to all of our friends up in the north. We did a bunch of Woodbine previews just for you. I know Aaron was very excited to be doing uh, the Dominion Day preview, which is uh, on Friday. So you can check that out over racenews.com and youtube.com slash racing dudes. And then, Mike, you did the Highlander, which is the big feature Saturday at Woodbine. And then you also did a further in-depth preview of the Dwyer. So if you want any of those or uh, the other stakes action happening this weekend, like the Fleur de Lis, the Princess Rooney at Gulfstream, Park, uh, the Stephen Foster, lots of big races. They're all at the YouTube channel. Mike, make sure you watch them. I will watch every last one of them. Uh, the Highlanders are a really interesting race. I was excited, yeah. like I, I hadn't dived into it until you assigned me that one. And for the for these uh, previews, and a, a great field bound for nowhere is going to be up there. I think is going to face a ton of pace pressure in there, going six furlongs versus the classic five and a half. And that stretch at Keeneland can be tough to hold. Or, I'm sorry, at uh, Woodbine can be tough to hold horses off coming from the back. There's a 20 to one I like. There's a couple 12 to ones I like. Like, I, I think that's a shot, a, a race where you can take some, some real shots, especially underneath. Um, I, I like Voodoo Zip in there. I think it's 72 or something. But then you have these bombs underneath that you can really fill out that try and super with. Yeah, if you're, if you're not familiar with Woodbine, uh, their turf course is on the outside of their synthetic, and it's about the size of Belmont's dirt track. So as long as that Belmont stretches, that's Woodbine's turf course. So when Mike says it's hard for those horses to hold on, that's what he's talking about. It's it's also the outside course. The dirt is or the synthetic is on the inner, so the the turns are wider. So like it, there's a bunch of different nuances about that that woodbine turf course. You got to think or take into account when you're playing it. I mentioned it earlier at the top of the show, but Saratoga Slims, it's right there in the middle, too. How beautiful is that? Saratoga Slims' latest backside vlog, he interviewed Christoph Clement. You want updates on Gufo, Pizza Bianca, uh, some horses that are going to be running later this weekend uh, at Belmont Park. Make sure you go check that out. That To me, I told Slim afterwards, Christoph Clement might have unseated Graham Motion as the nicest person in horse racing after watching that. Like, he just seemed like this sweet old French grandpa that you just want to like have a cup of coffee with. Hell of a turf sprint trainer, man. I mean, he's a hell of a turf trainer in general, but man, he is he is dynamite in turf sprints. Uh, before we get out of here, have you looked at the uh, the Stephen or uh, I'm sorry, not the Stephen Foster. The what the hell is the race that's earlier? The John A. Nehru stakes. The life is good versus Speaker's Corner matchup. Nick Feldman's bringing it up here in the chat. He says Speaker's Corner. Brisnet has him as an E8 going to the Met Mile, and Flightline beat him so bad that Brisnet now lists him as a P2. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, I would play this almost identically to the way I played the Met Mile. Um, I think life is good as a better horse. I think life is good as faster than Speaker's Corner. We talked about find the exacta with the price underneath and chuck Speaker's Corner out, right? Because I, I think you're going to see a very similar thing where Speaker's Corner is going to get demoralized when you 
It's like, also, you talk about this. Sometimes horses get their heart ripped out and they're never quite the same. Don't you think Speaker's Corner could have just had his heart ripped out? Like, Flightline just destroyed him and everything went wrong for Flightline there. And, and when he went past him, he was basically standing still. Um, so I, I'm hoping that we can kind of have that similar thing. I, I like life is good in this spot. I'm not going to get too creative. The question is if you can get someone underneath and who can run on underneath. Harvard's got a good dirt race, a couple back. You're going to get a big price on him, 20 to 1. Rudolph Brissett, we've seen him do something like that in these stakes races. I think he's probably the one that makes the most sense. War Tuscan, probably going to push the pace a little bit too much. Repo Rocks, I hate that horse. So I'm probably just going to go with the 1-3 exact and see if we can get a nice price in second. Uh, try and if you want to play the trifecta, throw War Toxin in. Uriah St. Louis has this crazy habit of like, you get this like just 30, 40, 50 to one donkey from parks that shows up and hits the board at one of these races. And you're like, well, all you had to do was throw in your eye St. Louis for an extra $2 and suddenly you've got an $80 trifecta. So you want more insight on that over at racenews.com. We got you covered, but we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellord. He's at some Obama 18, number one, number eight corporate overlords at race underscore dudes. Like I said, in one hour, He'll be back here live with blinkers off. So make sure you tune into that one. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash racing dudes. Any other things before we get out of here, Mike? Uh, make sure you join us tomorrow at noon for Dudes Who Bet Daily. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I know Aaron and I will be there. I think we might have our boy Magic joining us. Yeah, yeah. So. And, I, you know, we got to talk about the Pac-10 realignment, right? Because bye-bye, USC and UCLA. They're headed over to the Big Ten, apparently. And then Kevin Durant. The day after Kyrie opts in is like, bye bye. I don't want any part of this. I love the fact that he might be going to the Sixers, which is one of the teams rumored, which is where Harden is. So it's just, it's funny how this whole thing played out. So I'm sure we'll talk about that tomorrow, how it affects the betting markets. And if uh, you want to try and handicap the who's going to win the NBA title next year, depending on where Kevin Durant goes, see if you can get a better price on one of these teams before he ends up there. What are the odds? Uh, literally, what are the odds he goes to the Lakers? It just feels like he's going to try and he's the next superstar to try and jump on the LeBron bandwagon. Well, there is a there's an eighty for for uh, for a KD rumor out there that it would be Anthony Davis and picks for for Kevin Durant. Um, I'm not sure if I want that if I'm the Lakers, to be honest. I mean, because you're such it's like, do you really think Westbrook and Durant want to play together again? Like, I would rather go. I forgot Westbrook's still there. I would rather go. We'll give you eighty Westbrook pick something else and we'll take Kyrie and Katie off your hands um, because that would be the, the more logical move in my mind versus having Westbrook, AD and LeBron, just put Katie LeBron and, and, uh, and Kyrie and see if, you know, you have the oldest, you know, top three or oldest big three ever win a, win a championship. It didn't work well for the Lakers back with, I think it was, who was it? They had Gary Payton and that whole team that was just a, a oh, train wreck. Malone. Carl, yeah, Carl, that whole team was all they were supposed to be so this good. This won the title that year, yeah. They were, yeah, they were terrible. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I, I that's gonna be really interesting to me is what how, where this shakes out. He wants to go to Phoenix. Uh, I don't know why you'd want Aiton back, so it would have to be Booker if you if you get him. So it'll be interesting to see kind of if that's something Phoenix even wants to entertain. Uh, because I mean, KD is a top 15 all time player and probably right now one of the top 10 in the NBA. So you got to expect they're gonna get a pretty good haul for him, especially with four years left on his contract. I just imagine you're like, I don't think it, uh, Katie and Westbrook want to play together. So you pitch Kyrie and LeBron playing together again. <laughs> they want yeah. a title together, at least. They they put aside their differences to make it work. Maybe Kyrie has matured. And oh. Anyways, tune in tomorrow at noon Eastern uh, for the next Dudes Who Bet Daily. We're going to get out of here. Until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Ah, where's the button? There it is. Bye. <laughs> this has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com. Your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, 
up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels. Never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first 